He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy, the media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. Today's guest was my old coach with the Washington Wizards, Eddie Jordan. We discussed his love for D.C., him not getting his due credit for what he accomplished while coaching the Wizards, his friction with GM Ernie Grunfeld, how big of a mistake it was for Ernie Grunfeld not to re-sign Larry Hughes. Uh, we discussed coaching Gilbert Arenas, the respect he had for the late A. Poland, his desire to coach again, and much more. It was really good talking to my old coach again. Hope you enjoy it. So thanks, uh, thanks Coach Jordan. Uh, my former coach of the Washington Wizards. Thanks for coming on. Uh, haven't talked to you in a while, so it's good to see you. How you been? I know, man. I mean, I know we've texted a couple of times in the right. last year or so, but we haven't seen each other. I see you a lot <laughs> all different places and doing different things. So I'm happy for you and I'm proud of you, man. I appreciate it, coach. I appreciate it. You know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now, I was doing while I was with the Wizards. And you were somebody that was always supportive of it. You know, you knew I had a lot of other interests. I was, yep. you know, speaking different places, talking about politics, doing different things. So you was always supportive of that. So definitely the, appreciate that. The thing is, Atan, it never took away from your from your basketball. It never right. took away from your profession. Right. Uh, you, you worked as hard. You were as dedicated. You were as passionate as anybody else in that locker room. Right. And yet, you know, you had the energy and the uh, and the mindset to do other things. Um, socially and politically, and you know, we all enjoyed your activities and uh, and your passion in in that regard, also. Well, I definitely appreciate it. So, so what have you been doing now? We, you know, a lot of people. You you get a lot of love here in D.C. Like, I don't know <laughs> if you know that though, but all the time because you know I still live here. I'm I'm Prince George's County. I still live yeah. in the same place I lived before. Um, but you get. And I know you're from here. You're from Southeast. Yeah. People really. They really respect you. They really show you love. You know, they, do, you, do you know that? Well, I don't, you know, my family's still there. My family okay. was in Camp Springs. Um, okay. And they just bought a house out in Brandywine. Okay. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, look, I got a lot of friends there. Okay. A lot of high school buddies there. But, um, you know, that's my home. I, I put a lot of energy and a lot of passion into my job when I was there. Mm -hmm. I'm in Charlotte now. I've been here. I worked for the Hornets. I was assistant coach for the Hornets uh, for Steve Clifford okay. <clears throat> uh, two years ago. Okay. And then when Michael Jordan decided to make a change, uh, my girlfriend and I decided to stay here in Charlotte. Uh, okay. We had a house in New Jersey. We sold that because mm -hmm. we love it here. It's a fast-growing, um, really, really beautiful city. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now I've been training basketball players at different levels, uh, high school. I got a high school All-American. Okay. Um, uh, college guys, some adult guys that play in the Lifetime uh, Fitness League. So I am the hoops. I'm the hoops trainer at Lifetime Fitness. Oh, okay. And and but since they've closed, I've been that I've been doing that for about five months, and then they closed because of the COVID. Mm -hmm. And I believe we're going to start up again in a week or two. Okay. But in the meantime, I've had clients that I had with Lifetime who wanted mm -hmm. to hire me individually. Okay. So I've been going around and training all types of levels of basketball players, and it's fun. That's great. That's great. Yeah. You know, I, I I coach my son's AAU team. Oh, you remember? Malcolm. How old is your son? You know, Malcolm just turned fifteen. 
Okay. Yeah. So you remember he was a little cat back when I was playing. Yeah, so yeah, now yeah. I coach is a, I have, we have the shirt on FBCG dynamic oh, disciples. Cool. So, um, you know, I've been coaching the young guys and it's, it's, it's been a blast. You know, I, I, I love it. You know, it's it's good. They play differently though. They play different than what we play. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Malcolm, yeah. you know, he's tall, you know, you, you know, my wife, Nicole, so she's sure. tall. So, yeah. so Malcolm is tall for his age, okay. but he, he's, he's all perimeter. He, he likes Giannis and he like, he wants to Euro step all over the place. And, James Harden step back and do all he they ain't no like you know dribbling on, on like on the post and two dribbles up the lane yep. and then yep. drop step like you used to teach me. Yeah, nah, ain't yep. none of that. He wants to go, you know, shoot. And so it's it's just it's, a different it's game. Fine. You right know, now. It's, it's something that we all have to accept and get used to. The you know how the game is evolving. It, when I was a player, um, back in the 70s and, and 80s, uh-huh. it was 10 players inside the three-point line. Yeah, where yeah. it is now. It was ten right. players. We all played inside the ten and the three point right. line, yeah. and now it's all ten players outside the three point line. Yeah. That's how you right. start your possession. So, yeah. it, and you know what? I like the way they're playing. Uh, I love. I love. I know. I know. I know. But you have to. It's. I don't like a lot of dribbling. I like ball movement and right. I like cutting. I like yeah. passing and movement. I don't like the standstill. Dribbling one guy, dribble, dribble, dribble. I don't oh, like right, that. Right, right, right. But I, I like the fact that when they are moving and cutting and they're sharing the ball, um, it's a beautiful game because it's got space um, and you just have more room to do things. And, you know, it's it's a fast-paced game when the ball is moving. I don't like the one-on-one dribble, dribble to me. Well, well, you like the Princeton offense. So what you was like, you know, what you wanted to really instill, but, and it was working. And it was funny because when we were having success with it, and yep. then you had New Jersey, were they back when they were the Nets, they were having success with it. Yep. The whole league was trying to copy it. And they tried to turn a handoff from, from right. the top with the big man going to all all teams. And then everybody started That's playing right. ball ball after <laughs> Golden State started winning. So all it's going to take is a team with a big man to win, and then you're going to see big men come back in style. <laughs> it's going to trend the trend. It's going to trend yeah. back, right? Right. But, yeah, but you know, you're right, because we called it the one-two-two. Two. It, right. it was the at the end of most of our movement. Mm-hmm. When we did whatever it was, we called it basic, low post, right, basic. Uh, you know, <laughs> forwards out. Whatever yeah. it was, yeah. the end of that was like maybe 10 seconds ago, we always ended up in the one-two-two. Two. You at the right. top of the key. Yeah. And then you you make a dribble handoff or you dribble reaction we called it and right. that's what everyone's doing now. So yeah. and you know what a time we had four out. We were I mean Antoine was a four man who shot threes. That's right. So we did that back that's in right. you know the two thousand six seven right. eight nine. That's right. And now people that's what they're doing now. Oh, that's totally so fun. I, I, I know that. I know that. But it's you know, it's, and it's interesting because talking about the time with the Wizards, you know. You, I, I don't feel still that you get the credit that you deserve for what you accomplished with the Wizards. And this is why I say this, though, because remember, I was there two years before you got there. I was yep. there with MJ for two years. Yep. And, and I knew the history that the Wizards hadn't made the playoffs since Chris Webber and them, when they were the That's Bullets. Right. You know, 20 so, years. Right. So, so, and MJ and them didn't make the playoffs. The Collins, they, he didn't lead them to the playoffs. But right. you, when we went to the playoffs, you took over. Um, after MJ left and Doug Collins yep. left as well, um, yep. that first year was like the rebuilding year. Yeah. And then after that, we made it every single year. Like it was expecting for us to make it. And I just don't think people, you know, <laughs> like highlight that enough with you because the Wizards weren't making no playoffs all before that. I tell you, you know what? The, the, the interesting thing is we, us and Detroit Pistons, who have won a championship during that run, we were the only two Eastern Conference teams to make four consecutive playoff appearances. Only two teams in the East, and right. that was Detroit and the Wizards. Wow. People don't know that either. Right. But uh, And even the, my first year with you, mm-hmm. Gilbert got hurt, mm-hmm. and we were going – you're right, we were going through a transition. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had Stackhouse, mm-hmm. and we had Kwame. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the next year, uh, I think we had Gilbert too, but Gilbert got hurt. In Seattle, he heard his right. growing. Right, right, right. So we were kind of in transition. We were injured. Larry Hughes, I think, broke his finger. Finger, yeah. Um, so he was out. So, oh, but it was great. It was great to work with you. It was, it was fun. I tell my girlfriend stories all the time. <laughs> uh, we definitely <laughs> have a lot of stories. You know, <laughs> a lot what I mean? of stories. <laughs> we have a whole lot. But you know, but but going back to the 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 credit thing, and I know you're always very humble, and you don't you know like worry about that as much. 
but there is a difference. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit about, okay. you know, what is, did you see a difference? And I, I'll let you, I, I have in my mind what I think is the difference sometimes mm-hmm. and the different barometer, but when in your mind, what was the different barometer with you? Because there are other coaches who accomplished way less than you and seem to just, you know, be, yeah, get hired and right, get over and over again. And they, you know, I, what, what, what was the difference? I, I think, and you know, I don't talk about this much, mm-hmm. but look, I had people who helped me uh, along the way. we all have people who helped us, of course, but I was never, I never had a godfather in a sense. You know, I wasn't a USA basketball guy. I wasn't a, you know, a guy from Duke. Um, I wasn't a guy who was, um, you know, had, uh, as they call it, a godfather. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's hard to explain. There there's certain people in the league that are powerful, um, whether they're in the front office, uh, in the league office, or whether they're under this coaching tree. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should say that a, a Popovich tree, okay. um, you know, a Krzyzewski tree, okay. um, that sort of thing. I was never, I was never under a tree. Okay. Um, and I think when you have, I call them Godfathers or under the tree, like that. If like if you belong to USA Basketball, that's a heck of a power. That's a heck of a uh, uh, organization mm-hmm. that um, there are jobs open different places and. There's connection. And, you know, I wasn't that type of guy. I wasn't a, a guy who uh, – I like my staff. Mm-hmm. My staff was the most influential um, voice for me. I didn't go out and look for um, a lot of voices to help me. My staff was important to me. Obviously, um, Tom Young, who's – Tom Young was important to me. Mm-hmm. Pete Carrill was important to me mm-hmm. for my growth. Uh, again, there was other people along the way. but. I was really never under a tree, so to say. And so I think that's probably what we're talking about. Eh, I don't know, Coach. No. You know what I mean? I think it was something else. With it because I think that you had success even before when you was over there with Byron Scott. Yes. And Byron Scott, you know, had success over there with New Jersey. And yeah. it was well known that you was kind of the, the architect of the offense. He was kind yeah. of the front. You don't have to say that. I'll say it. You know what I mean? But everybody, you yeah. know, it is certain things that are well known. So I would say that you know, there could be Byron Scott tree that you kind of, you know, came from, but it was different because you both had something in common. And that, yeah. both, that same thing that you're both in common may have, may have been the one thing that, that they didn't recognize as you being under the certain tree that you're talking about. Well, well Byron and I, for, for a, a month or so, maybe even less, were teammates with the Lakers. Right. And then um, when Byron came to the Nets, I was already there and he kept me to help him along the way because I had been coaching for a while and mm-hmm. that was just, he had been with the Sacramento Kings for a year or two. Right. And then he got hired as a head coach and he kept me along. But, you know, I always say good players make good coaches. Um, and, you know, we, the first year we had Stephon Marbury. We drafted mm-hmm. Kenyon Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, Kerry Kittles got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith Van Horn was uh, kind of struggling a little bit that year. But the, nothing came together until we got Jason Kidd. Right. Yeah, Jason Kidd on close to a draft day trade right. for Stefan and Kenyon Kenyon was uh, got healthy because he had had some injuries. Mm-hmm. Kerry Kittles came back, um, and then eventually we got Richard Jefferson, Jason mm-hmm. Collins. Mm-hmm. So things came together at the right time under Kidd and 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 Kenyon Martin. They were our two strongest players. So uh, and then we just went to the finals. We had a good run. Went to the finals two years in a row. Uh, lost to the Lakers and then lost to San Antonio this okay. next year. And then I right. got the job with the Wizards. Right, right, yeah. right. And, you know, it's just it's interesting just seeing the dynamics because that wouldn't have happened without the system. It wouldn't have happened. Like Correct. That, because they the were first- great players. They were everything like that. And no, no disrespect to any of those players. Not, no. But it was the system that nobody could adjust to quite yet. Correct. And, and, and it caught everybody off guard. And the dribble handoff, nobody knew how to defend it. And everything. So, and Jason Kidd just being at the at the you know being the general of it and putting everybody in place, it all just worked. It did, and, and it just worked well. And so, my my question is, you know, why with the success that you that you have shown with the system, yep. right, mm-hmm. and the success that you had with the with the Wizards, and we were there, right? Yep. 
why was it that you weren't recycled the way that I saw other coaches? Being <laughs> and we don't have to talk about the other coaches in name unless you want to, because I can name them. But well, I, I mean, I, but, it, but no, I have no problems naming them. But I, I, and it was, was it a matter of your phone stopped ringing or was it a matter of, of that you wanted to step away from the game? Because no, I didn't want to, I didn't want to step away. What okay. happened, we, um, we had a good run with the Wizards. Right. And then we even made the playoffs when Gilbert was out. Right. And we had Antonio mm -hmm. Daniels and uh, Deshaun Stevenson as, as our starters. Right. You know, and we went to the playoffs with that with the, that backcourt and, you know, right. with some injuries. Mm -hmm. But a ton, I don't know exactly why um, things didn't. Well, I wasn't recycled. Uh, but uh, what what I'm proud of is when we I got let go with the Wizards, mm -hmm. I got hired by the Sixers the next year. Right. And we had a very young team, talented, mm -hmm. very young. Mm -hmm. We had Lou Williams, uh, Andre Iguodala, mm -hmm. um, Elton Brand was coming off a serious leg injury. Mm -hmm. um, we had Drew Holiday as a, as a rookie, mm -hmm. so he was young. Uh, and then we had Maurice Spates. Lou Williams broke his jaw. Maurice mm -hmm. Spates uh, hurt his knee, so he, they were out for like a month or so. So that hurt mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. around December, January. And we signed Allen Iverson. Mm -hmm you know, from at, at the end of his career. So right. that was some dysfunction there and some, some youthfulness. Um, the team was just not – it didn't have chemistry. I see it. I see Alan here in, in Charlotte. He lives here. And nope. he always says – he always says, Coach, I loved your offense, but I just couldn't get it after, you know, <laughs> in that short of a time. I tell right. I know it takes a little while. Even minute. people with the Bulls, I say, it took them a year and a half, two years to learn right. the offense. I, learned, I saw that in Last Dance, but I knew that anyway. Right. But let me just say this. What I'm proud of was I was out. So after one year with the Sixers, um, I did what you're doing. I coached my son's uh, AAU team, and How's I did that sort of thing. How's He's doing know? great. He's All doing right. well. So I was, I was coaching his team. I coached the AAU, D.C. Assault AAU team out of D.C. Oh, okay. we, won, we won a national championship. Okay. Um, and then what was interesting was I got a call from Mike Brown. He was the head coach of the, of the Lakers. And he says, Eddie, Kobe wants to run the offense. Oh. Kobe wanted me to come out there. He wanted me to be hired so they could run the offense. Because um, Brian, uh, Mike Brown was there a year, and Kobe didn't like the offense. Right. So he said, call Eddie Jordan. I want to know how their offense, because I like their offense. So I went out there. I met with Kobe. Mm -hmm. He was practicing for USA Basketball. We met, and we talked about the offense for a couple of hours, maybe not that long. Mm -hmm. But he was already sold. So he said, Mike, you got to hire Eddie. So, and this is interesting. I was, I was happy about that. Like, Kobe wanted to learn the offense. So right. before, the tra and before training camp started, Kobe and I worked out every morning. I showed him all the routes from the guard spots, from the forward spots, all the routes in the offense. And then we get Steve Nash in the trade. Oh. The Lakers get Steve Nash at the end of the summer. Right. So then, so Mike, Mike Brown says, Hey man, you know, we've got to like tilt the offense. So Steve Rat Steve Nash can run pick and rolls at the beginning of the, of the possession. I said, Mike, we can do that. Just let Kobe and Steve fill it out themselves. Mm -hmm. But in Mike's mind, Mike's Brown mind, he wanted to have play calls for each player. So look, we had Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Paul Gasol, Mm -hmm. Dwight Howard mm -hmm. and Metal World Peace. That was our starting unit. Right. And I said, look, let let Steve and and um, and Kobe let them fill the offense, just like we did with Gilbert. And whether it was Jared in the backcourt or mm -hmm. whether it was uh, Antonio Daniels in the backcourt, any one of them right. can run the pick and roll. Right. And they'll find, as you know, they'll find their way in the mm -hmm. offense. Kobe mm -hmm. will find his post ups. He'll find his slashes. Steve mm -hmm. will find the pick and rolls. Kobe can run pick and rolls. Kobe can go to the forward. And the forwards would turn to guards. Mm -hmm. So Mike Brown, did, in a shorter time, he didn't really, like, trust that 100%. Oh, interesting. So, so we didn't really run it. And um, so after five games uh, in that season, Mike Brown got fired. Five oh, games. Oh, wow. That's all right. There was two reasons for that. One – is out, we were 0 and 8 in the preseason. We weren't running the offense. Now let's let, let's just straighten that out. We didn't run the right. preseason. We were right. running something else. Okay. We were 0 and 8 in the in the preseason. At the same time, 
the Clippers were just starting their lob city, what do they call it, lob city? Right, 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 right. They were going, they were going really high with uh, Jordan and um, uh, the kid at Detroit now. Um, you're talking about uh, Blake. Blake, yeah. And so they were running, they were dunking, and everybody mm -hmm. was turning to the Clippers. Like, the Clippers are hot. Mm -hmm. Lakers are 0-8. Mm -hmm. So we started the season 1-4, and I think. It was 1-4. and And... Mike Brown got fired, and they hired um, Mike D'Antoni. <sighs> okay, all right. See, you, so Talk this, about recycling, right? Oh, my gosh. I mean, since you brought him up, you know what I mean? He's somebody – you remember when he quit on the Knicks? Like, he literally quit on the Knicks in the middle of the season, and he keeps getting rehired. And even to right now, when he was, he was like, you know – he informed the Rockets that he's he doesn't want to come back there, and they're already talking about him possibly going oh, to Indiana. And I'm like, wow! But I've seen other coaches, you know, and I'll just say, you know, black coaches who are capable of being able to coach not get the opportunity year in year out. And I'm just, it, it's you know, so so for instance, uh, your last year with the Wizards, right? Yep. Uh -huh. um, Gilbert was hurt. You know, yep. what I mean, we start we started off we started off bad. And yep. then it's like when you fire someone after eight games or nine yep. games, it's almost as if you wanted to fire him already. You're, You're just right. waiting for the opportunity. And right. it just seems like that just wasn't fair. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I everything that you did before that, you know, with nonstop going to the playoffs – one year where your star player Gilbert Arenas is injured the entire the entire time you ten, went eight, yeah nine games ten eight, games eight games to fight. I didn't I didn't think that that was that that was that that was fair and I don't I only see that happening to coaches that look like us I'm gonna be honest yeah. with you I don't yeah, see that yeah. happening to other coaches. like Mike Brown Mike Brown gets fired after five games like right. um, five games yeah I know and I think because they had D'Antoni in their mind anyway because he had coached Steve Nash so that's how that went I think. Um, and the, the not funny, but the interesting thing was Mike D'Antoni had just had knee replacement surgery. Right. So when they hired him, he came in on crutches. And I look, he did a good job. And, and the thing about it, he kept me because people would, had said, well, when Mike comes in, he's going to clean house and we're right. just going to keep this, these two assistants. Everybody else is gone. But he kept me. So right. I, I was happy that he kept me. And I'm, I'm you know, appreciative of that. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's that was interesting. But you know what? That was a tough year because uh -huh. there was some dysfunction between, you know, certain people in the starting lineup. Uh -huh. But we made the playoffs. <laughs> right. And at the end of the year, at the end of that year, I got offered the job at Rutgers, my alma mater, as right. a head coach. Right, right. And I right. said and I always said this a ton. I said, I love the NBA so much. I said, mm -hmm. I don't think I would ever coach college basketball unless it was my um, unless it was Rutgers. Okay. And lo and behold, they uh, they went through that very bad spell where the coach was, you know, Mike awful Rice. Spell. Yes, awful spell. Yeah, that was terrible. So I took over a job that was probably the worst job to take in the country. Okay. okay. It was my it was my school. Right. And I look, I could have stayed in the NBA. I said, look, I'm going to my school. I'm gonna help them. And so I think that had, you know, then you go. So I'm out of the league for about three years, right? Three years, and then so you sort of get lost in the shuffle, I guess. I don't know. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people ask me. So the mo one of the most common questions that they ask me here, you know, and, and so just to let you know that this this program, the, the rematch that we have, yeah. um, is that we have we give people the opportunity to kind of retell their story to answer sure. questions that people don't know about them. Yeah. So one of the main questions that people ask, um, you know, when they come up to me around DC, anywhere in the DMV is they ask about your relationship with Ernie Grunfeld. Um, yeah. and, and they say, well, you know, what type, because a lot of people were looking at the way that you got fired as being unfair. Yeah. You know, based on the, your body of work of us going to the playoffs all those years beforehand. So right. what, what was, so just to let people know, what was your relationship with Ernie Grunfeld? Well, let me just say this. Ernie and I are contemporaries. We're the same years. We played college basketball at the same time. We played in different all-star games as seniors okay. and together, not together, but against each other. So we were contemporaries. We're the same age, same level. He played in the league for about six, seven, eight years. I played seven years. Mm -hmm. um, so when we started working together, this was funny because Mr. Poland hired me. Right. First. Ernie. 
before right. he hired Ernie. Hired Ernie. I remember. Right. I was there for all that. Yeah, I, I, know, I remember I know. all that. Okay. So, so Mr. Poland said, look, this is you. You're my coach. Mm -hmm. um, he hired me on a Wednesday. He said, look, we're going to find a GM. He, he hired me on a Wednesday, but he didn't want the media to know until we hired a GM that weekend. He said, look, we got a GM in mind. We want to make an announcement next Monday on both of you guys. Okay. Right? So he hired me, and then as I was driving back to New Jersey, Susan O'Malley called me and says, look, we want to make an announcement tomorrow. Okay. We're not going to wait till we hire a GM. So right. I drove back down to, to D.C., and I got hired on that Thursday. And I worked with Wes Unsell, senior, mm -hmm. for about right. a month. Right. We went through the draft. And then I think the beginning of July, we hired Ernie. Mm -hmm. And um, my relationship with Ernie was, you know, he was a GM. I was a coach that had a personal relationship with Mr. Poland, the owner. Mm. And eventually, <laughs> he convinced Mr. Poland that I should go through Ernie himself and not go directly to Mr. Poland, which I was doing. I go right. directly to Mr. Poland. Right. If I oh, had, I if, if there was news in the, within the team, right. Mr. Poland, this is what's happening with the team. Uh, um, Mr. Poland will call me, Eddie, how was that game in Miami? I said this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. So that happened several times. And I think Ernie felt um, that, hey, the, the, the stepping stone should be coach to the GM, GM to the owner. I got you. Got right. You. So, look, they gave me, Mr. Poland gave me an extension, or he convinced Ernie to give me an extension, whatever the case may be. <laughs> I think Mr. Uh, Poland gave you the extension. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so when, Mr., when Ernie, uh, when Mr. Poland says, look, Eddie, Ernie wants it this way. I love both of you guys as sons. That's what Mr. Poland said. Yeah. He says, so I want you to go through Ernie, and Ernie will report to me. I said, fine, whatever you want, Mr. Poland. Right. So that was fine. And Mr. Poland did a lot of good things for me. Um, and, you know, I just heard uh, Mrs. Poland pass away a, a month or so ago. Right. So, but, um, so the relationship with Ernie was, look, you know, he was good. We had a good relationship. And, but I had a better relationship with Mr. Poland. Of course. No, I mean, yeah. I, and I, I did as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know you did. Not, yeah. not even close. So yeah, we, we, shared, we shared that. Um, another thing that people ask me is about the, the, the moment when the Wizards did not sign, re-sign Larry Hughes as being a moment where there was a difference in Gilbert Arenas. And so I, a lot, that's what people say a lot to me. And honestly, I kind of know what they're saying because Gilbert kind of deferred to Larry a little bit. He, he did. He kept a lot. A lot a call. I remember we was in the playoff series against the Bulls. And remember we went down to Chicago and we got blasted by like 25, 30 points both games, right? Yep. And then um, Larry Hughes, I remember on the bus, Gilbert was like panicking. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to do this. And, and Boog was like, it's no problem. We'll make a few yeah. adjustments. We'll be all right. Yeah. And then Gilbert was like, okay, all right. I guess that's yeah. what happened. And then we came back and we had some great games and ended up winning the series. But that level of calming is what Larry Hughes provided. And after – you know, they didn't resign Boog. There was a different Gilbert. Do you, do you agree with that, that statement? Well, let me tell you a story because you want to hear stories. So this yeah. is a story that I understood that's very true and that Mrs. Poland even said. Um, when Larry Hughes was an unrestricted free agent, mm -hmm. unrestricted, right? Mm -hmm. He was free-free. Yep. And um, Ernie gave him a low offer. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And... At the same time, check this out. Mr. Poland was in Cleveland. He went to get a, a, a checkup at the Cleveland Clinic where he okay. went to go. Okay. And they found that they needed to have surgery on Mr. Poland immediately. This, okay. is the same, this is the same day as the end of free agency. And Larry, so Larry says, look, Ernie, I don't have to come back to you. I can make my own. It's the, I'm not a restricted free agent. Right. You, you right. lowballed me. Yeah. You know, I'm worth more than this. Yes. So Mr. Poland goes to surgery on the night of the free agency signing. Okay. He's in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Mr. Poland has complications on the, on the table. And mm -hmm. from what I understand, flatlined a couple of times on the table. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Right. He was near death. Right. During the surgery. Okay. The, the next day, the next morning, 
the first thing he said from this is what Mrs. Poland said. The first thing he asked when he came out was, did we sign Larry? Wow. Oh, and and Mrs. Poland says, no, we lost him to Cleveland. Wow. And Larry came out and says, look, I was insulted by the offer that was offered to me. Yeah, no, I remember he low-balled him, like really low-balled him. Low-balled him. And so that's a heck of a story. Mr. Poland wanted badly to sign Larry. He comes out of surgery and says, did we sign Larry? And they had to say, no, we lost him to Cleveland. Wow. So that is one story that, I mean, again, Larry was a calming influence on Gilbert. They had played together in Golden State. Yes. And then Antoine and Karan helped with Larry, helped with Gilbert in the locker room also. Right. And and, but differently, though. Differently. Yeah. yeah. And, and because <laughs> Gilbert looked up to Antoine, they played together in Golden State. Right. And Karan, you know, Karan didn't take any, any stuff. Right. So Karan, right, right. Karan would, would, without Gilbert, without Antoine and Karan and, and your, yourself, Mm-hmm. Gilbert would have been haywire in the locker yeah. room, which right. eventually he goes haywire in the yeah. locker room. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that was uh, unfortunate to happen. But I think it that was. you know, I but I, I also don't think, and I will say this: if Larry Hughes had been there, I don't think that ever would have happened. Oh no! Yeah, absolutely. Not no. even a question. Not even question. I yeah, mean, even the things question. that Gilbert did, you know, look. Yeah, my I last know. year. Look, my last <laughs> year. You remember my last year? We had all. We had Nick Young. Yeah, I know. Andre Blotch. Yeah. <laughs> and and Javel McGee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Ernie kept saying, hey, I said, Ernie, they're young. They're undisciplined. They're right. this. They're that. Look, yeah, do they have athletic? Yeah, were they athletic? Yeah. Sure. Did Andre Blotch have basketball skills? Yes. Right. But they weren't professionally, mentally, professionally ready yet. Right. As prof- ready as professionals. They were not. Yeah. And the funny thing is, they all they all make uh, Shaq's. Uh, oh, Shaq's and the fool. <laughs> yeah, Shaq and the fool. They were like MVP, all three of them were MVPs. MVPs. Well, I mean, and, and, and we had all three of them at the same time. We, we did, but you know what though? And this is one of the things, and I saw the frustration on your part where you wasn't allowed to be the disciplinarian that you wanted Correct. to be because all what the only thing that would happen was Ernie Grunfeld would just come and like supersede something. So even with with Andre, you know, with, with Blatch. If he something happened, you know, Blatch was like Ernie's guy. So then he would come and just and how how fresh? Like, how did you even operate in that? Well, you know, I, I only could do my job. Right. I did my job, you know, uh, without bias. I did my job as professional as I could, and right. with di- with the discipline. Mm-hmm. And if the fines go upstairs to Ernie, look, you're fined, you know, and you, or you're going. I'm going to take the time away from you. I always said this. To discipline a player, mm-hmm. you you find him, yep. you take away his time, yep. or you suspend him. Those yep. are the three things. That's that was my that thing. Was right. You find him, that's fifteen hundred dollars fine. Okay, money doesn't mean anything, then your time and take your time away. Right. And then the time doesn't mean anything, then I'm gonna suspend you. Right. But Ernie would from what I understood, the front office gave their money back to those yeah. guys. So they that's felt crazy. like I mean, yeah. I would see it though. I mean, they would talk about it. I know. And, you know, and I was like, that's not good. And I was like, yeah. I talked to some of the other, I was like, that's, that's not good at all. Like, why would no. you, you know, and that, that just, it, it, it didn't have, so it all probably started all the way back to where, you know, he felt like he didn't get the chance to choose his coach, but the coach was chosen for him. Right. And it's usually done the opposite way. Like Correct. we hire the GM first and then the GM hires the coach. Correct. So, so when they let me go, they had Ed Tapscott, right? Yeah, as yeah I mean, that was just like having Ernie Grunfeld. Yeah. Ernie Grunfeld, yeah, yeah. well, I'm just three coaching and Correct. stuff. Correct. Yeah, and then, like... then you had Flip Saunders, right. I believe. Right. Yeah. I was gone. And, then. Yeah, you were gone. So they they end up saying having the same sort of record, seventeen wins or whatever. They had they had a poor record, right? Yeah. Yeah. With Flip. Right. So, um. But then they got John Wall and right. Bradley Bill, and because they had this poor record, they had high draft choices. And I think John Wall might have been was he number two, three? Well, he wasn't number one pick, was he? One, I thought, I thought he might have been one number one, number one pick. He was, he was yeah. number one. And number so, one. so another question that people ask me is, how did Ernie Grunfeld last so long? <laughs> and they always ask me, and they say, if you I ever know. ask, talk to uh, Eddie Jordan, please <laughs> ask him, ask him. And I was like, honestly. 
I was like, I have no idea. You well, know, you know, what is you know, theory? it's a funny thing. Ernie told me once. Uh-huh. Um, he said we were had a conversation, and I don't know if it was a heated conversation or what. And Ernie says, "Look, I've got to manage. I don't manage down. I have to manage up. Meaning, he had to take care of Mr. Poland, whatever that meant. Okay. Meaning, uh, look, when he said that um, he needed the me to go to him, and then he goes to Mr. Poland. Right. That's what he wanted, and that's how he became." That's how he lasted long. He had Mr. Poland's ear. And oh, the other man. part of that, too, Aton, I believe, obviously, is always money. Not always. Mostly, it's money. Yeah. And when you can stay under the cap and you can get these young players with talent, right. Right. with a good future, right. that helps the GM. Look, this kid's got talent, whether it's Nick Young, whether it's Andre Blotch, whether it's JaVel McGee. And then it's John Wall and then Bradley Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, they have talent. Um, and so the, ta- the coach takes time to develop the talent, but the coach doesn't have that time from the GM. Oh, you know? got you. So, yeah. the, you know, the GMs, the GMs have the owner's ears. That's right. how the league works. And then again, the other part of that is agents have a lot of influence on what know? happens to it. Huh? You think so? The agents oh. have influence? Oh, yeah. Why do you think they're hiring agents now as GMs? Ah, that's true. But I mean, but oh. even back when we were playing, though. Oh, like, yeah. Agents have, oh, yeah. Agents, agents have uh, uh, impact on how your team or what, how the GM thinks mm. and what the GM tells the owner or what the agent himself tells the owner. Oh, yeah. Oh, very, very, very uh, influential in the league. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why do you think LeBron James – I mean, look, LeBron's LeBron, obviously. But right. that's how it goes. That's the biggest of the agents, those guys, LeBron's agency, okay. you right. know. And Well, look, he's, a, we, he's we, a separate we, case, though. I mean, it's, Yeah, it's, no, he's a separate case. But, yeah, look, yeah, yeah. but look, he can get – Lakers, we can get Anthony Davis come here. You know, yeah. I'm LeBron. I'm Anthony Davis' agent, too, right? Yeah. And that's how the league works. It's – um. Any team in the league, look, you've got my star player, but I want you to take this guy too. Uh, if you want to sign my star player for an extended extension, uh-huh. you got to get this guy too. Oh, that's oh yeah, that's yeah. that's no secret in the league, huh? And which you know, look, that's business. That's how business. You know, that's the way it is. Right. So how? What was and what was your relationship with Gilbert? Because that was a relationship that you didn't really understand really sometimes looking at it you know he yeah. had he I, and i know gilbert was a very complex individual <laughs> you know what he, I'm was. Saying? he was very yeah. complex yeah but you know and it seemed like sometimes you know there was a little bit of the butting of heads and things like that just yeah. because of the fact that you know he he put so much on him but then he used to do things just differently like he would yeah. like to come in he like gilbert was interesting because he didn't want anybody to know that he worked hard it was the weirdest thing. So he would come in like at three o'clock in the morning when nobody. Three o'clock in the morning, out. yeah, and, and shoot like work out hard, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And then yeah. he come in practice and act like he don't want to practice. Right. I was like, what? You know, but what what right. was your relationship like? It was, you know what, Aton. If he, Gilbert was an assassin on the court, you know that he wanted to he wanted to tear your he throat. Was like you top, know? When when he was at his peak, I always tell people he was like top, if not the top tier, top five. He was right below that. He was top tier. For, he, he averaged 30 points a game. Yeah. You remember when he went and, and was like, went off on Kobe? <laughs> like, yeah. Scored like 60, 62. And, and then, then like, the, 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 next, the next night, he gets 50-something in Phoenix that we beat. We won in yeah. Phoenix they the next night. They couldn't hold, nobody could hold him. Nobody could hold him. Right. And, you know, so it, as long, and I always say this, as long as a player is passionate and gives 100% on the floor, mm-hmm. he's going to live his own life off the floor the way he is. But as long as you're, you know, as long as your if your teammates respect you, that's fine. Okay, how weird or crazy you are, you know. Right, right. So my relationship with Gilbert was definitely not even off the floor so much because he had his own life. You know, we all right. have our own lives off the floor. Right, right. But um, you know, look, if you got to respect, you have to get respect from your teammates, mm-hmm. and your teammates are pretty solid guys. Right. You, Antoine, Karan, you know. Um, they're solid guys. Michael Ruffin, uh, good, good, solid players. You know, you know, Jared and Brendan were different. You know, but <laughs> a little different. <laughs> yeah, a little different. Really? But uh, you, you know, you, they used to always say the big three, and they were the little two. The little they, two, yeah. The little two. Right. They always said that. 
But I see, I, I see. Well, anyway, yeah, um, yeah. but you know what? I like to that year. I thought our coaching staff thought Jared at the two guard. When we lost Larry, I said, let's move Jared to the two. Oh, yeah. yeah. And because Ernie thought, well, Karan should be a two. I said, no, Karan is a natural small forward. Yeah. He Jared is. can do a lot of things at two. He knows the offense. Right. He rebounds, helps mm-hmm. our rebounding. He can defend anybody on the floor, on the perimeter, you mm-hmm. know, except for uh, what's my man that scored 62? So, oh, Tracy McGrady. Tracy McGrady. I remember that game. And, I knew, and, I knew and, you were talking he, about he scores, no, he scores 62, and then Jared goes and hugs him after the game. Yeah, that was – Jared. No, uh, yeah, don't hug him. <laughs> don't hug him. Oh, my God. But, but apparently they were friends, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But um, so Gilbert and I, our relationship was – you know, we were okay. I just – Okay. You know, if you you go ahead and do your thing. Right. I know Gilbert said one time, or even on his podcast, I think I heard that uh, he said, "Yeah, I, I know coaches' offense better than he does." So, <laughs> okay, Gilbert. <laughs> but Gilbert, right. had, he had a basketball mind, but Gilbert was interesting mm-hmm. because he, you know, and I and I interviewed him here, and we had a great discussion on everything. Oh, he's, Gilbert, he's good. He's fun. Gilbert was great. Gilbert was a lot more intelligent than he wanted people to know. He was like, I always said that Gilbert was like the kid in school that would, you know, hide his books like in a pizza box because he didn't want to know, let anybody know that he was studying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's good. That's a good that's, one. That's what I always thought of with Gilbert. But yeah. he, yeah. you know, he was, it was great playing with him. And, but, and it was just interesting because so much happened back then. But still, you know, where, where we are now in the NBA and seeing, and I want to ask you about this because, yep. you know, I'm looking at the roster of coaches. And we have a lot of assistant coaches, a lot of black assistant coaches. But right now we have five black head coaches out of 30 teams. Like that number has dwindled and the NBA has always been looked at as the more progressive league. You know what I mean? Like we're not the NFL. We don't have the issues where, you know, they don't have, but you look at the coaching and it's um, numbers are dwindling. What is, what is the explanation for that? With all of this along, like I could go through all the different black coaches who are who are assistant coaches now and ready to go. You have Randy Brown, um, you know, in Chicago. You have Greg Buckner. You have um, Howard Isley, uh, yeah. Darvin Ham, Tim Hardaway Sr. You have yeah. Popeye Jones, uh, yeah. Jamal Mosley, oh, Wes Ensel Jr. Yeah. You have Fisdale, yeah. 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 Van Exel, Emeka Udoka, Jaron Collins, Lloyd Pierce. I can keep going down the list. And Ed Pickney, Sam Cassell, looks like he might get a look at Houston. And yep. you still got Mark Jackson. And so you, you have all of these different coaches, but we got five black head coaches. What, what, you know, what is the reason for that right now? You know, the only thing that I could say is the newer GMs, the, 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 the modern GMs mm-hmm. are um, guys who are analytical. Um, they aren't the GMs in the past where they were ex-players. Okay. Whether it's Danny Ainge or whether it's um, people like that, ex-players um, who know how important uh, 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 being a, probably an ex-player is as a head coach. But mm-hmm. I think it becomes a numbers as far as analytical and GMs are hiring um, coaches that are like them in a sense. Because okay. that's how these new GMs are. Okay. Um, and they have the assistants. Yeah, there are a lot of black assistants. And they're there to, like Jason Kidd and um, uh, Lionel Hollins on the same staff. Right. Right in L.A., along with um, uh, the other guy that I work with in L.A. But they have the ex-players, the black ex-players, to sort of massage the, the relationship. Uh, right. There was massage relate. Okay, you're getting somewhere here. So they wanted you to be as far as relating to the black players, but don't trust you as far as X's and O's on the court. Again, I mean, yeah. Analytical. I, I mean, that's what it sounds like. Because because every team has. I don't think there's any team that has like no black assistant coaches. You know what I mean? They all have a black assistant coach somewhere. Right. But do they trust you with the analytics? That they trust, you know, like yeah, something, something going on here. I don't know what. Yeah, it's. I think it on. starts with. Um, I think it starts with. GMs are just different. This, 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 this sort of in this era. Hmm. Um, 
Uh, and that's the only thing I can think. But the, again, look, it's trendy. The NBA is trendy, you know. Um, it could go if two years ago or just a year ago, mm. you heard a lot about they want every team to hire a female assistant. Right. And you don't hear about that so much right now. Right. I mean, you know, you, you know, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, but that was like a priority. Right. I I even heard that the commissioner really wanted every team to hire a female assistant. Right. So, um, so I don't know. You know, you know, I saw, I saw Byron Scott, you know, um, a few weeks ago said that, uh, current NBA players should advocate for black coaches the way that Kobe advocated for him. I thought that was a interesting statement. Um, what what is your what is your thought on that? Um, well, why should players have a major say in it anyway? That's what I say. You know, I mean, suppose you want to be a head coach mm-hmm. and you go to a team that's interested in you, that the GM is interested in you, and the players don't know you. Mm-hmm. How about the players don't know you as well as I know you or somebody else knows you? So, mm-hmm. and you're qualified. The GM likes you. They think you should fit with the team. Mm-hmm. So they go to the, to the star players. They say, well, we don't know a Tom Thomas. So he doesn't hire you. So, I mean, so why would that be a, why would that be a case? Why would, and I know it's, again, that's the way the life, that's the way yeah. life is now. Yeah. I mean, I, and I would say, isn't that what happened in Brooklyn? I mean, because KD knew Steve Nash back when he was playing with Golden State and Steve right. Nash was like a, third assistant or he special assistant or something like that. And that's where they developed the relationship. And, you know, according to reports, you know, I don't know, but according sure. to reports, that, that KD advocated for Steve Nash to get the head job. It wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like a white privilege thing or anything like that. It was specifically KD advocated for him to get the job. And then, right. and then Kyrie co-signed it. And that's why they hired Steve Nash. Well, see, why, would the, why would the GM listen to that anyway? Listen to that. Okay. See, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Right. I mean, so will Steve Nash have a, a bias approach to those two guys because they got him the job when it's time to sit somebody down or to right. jump in somebody's face or to want to, you know, to discipline one of those guys or whatever? Right. You know, if a GM, if I'm a GM, I'm going to hire the guy I think is going to work, you know, that's right. going to do the job. I right. don't think I'm going to go to the player. And I, look, maybe that's the way life is now in the NBA. Obviously mm-hmm. it is. Right. But Again, I don't like 30 dribbles to get a shot. <laughs> and I don't true. like a GM going to a player and says, who sh- you think we should hire this guy? That's I just, true. I just don't go for that. Okay, that's fair enough. That's yeah. fair enough. Okay, all right. So I got to ask you this last question. I'm going to keep you too long. I know we're talking I'm, I'm okay. You're okay? All right, I got to okay. ask you this question. So, so people always talk about me and Brendan all the time. You know what I mean? That's yep. the thing. People always ask me, so what's wrong with you and Brendan and everything? Oh, like, you don't understand how much I get that question, right? <laughs> And so there's a few things that 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 Brendan has said that I don't remember happening. And I wanted to ask you just to clear it up. So one okay. thing, one of the first things that he said is that, you know, what one of the seasons and, you know, that you told him me. That, now, listen, let me finish. Let me finish. Before the season, you told him that he was going to be the starter. Right. And then, and then that you told me that I was going to be the starter, and then then we started the season. Now, my response to that was always that Coach Jordan never told me that I was going to be the starter. He told me that I was going to have the opportunity to compete for a starting position, and then whoever played better, that's who would start. That's what Coach Jordan told me. But then the 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 accepted. I guess because it keeps being said is that you told Brendan that he was going to be the starter. And that's why I guess when he wasn't the starter, why he got upset. So I just wanted you to clear, clear that part up. Brendan was never the starter at one point. I, I mean, he was starting for most of the time. I mean, there was, there was, there was one period of time where we, we competed and I guess, you know, we was kind of both in and out of the, this was before, this was the, season before my heart surgery so okay. that season you know I, it was in and out sometimes i started sometimes he started and that's pretty much what you told me would probably happen it was going to split the time anyway that's right that's well, what you told me so you say you was like no you know whatever y'all whoever's playing better is going to be the one playing so this is let me go back to the, the initial part of that okay 
Ernie suggested okay. that I come down and meet with Brendan in oh. the off season. So oh, okay. I didn't want to. That was an Ernie you know, suggestion. Okay. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> he he didn't want to meet with me though, huh? No, he <laughs> I, because, I because to do it. <laughs> he just wanted I, you to meet with Brendan. Okay. Remember, remember, <laughs> Brendan had some. Brendan had a good stretch there. But I'm I'm gonna get to that story. Okay. Brendan had a good stretch during one season. All right. And and he had a great game, and we won. And okay. people, the media says, well, you know, Brendan's having a great stretch. What did you do? Right. And I said, well, it wasn't me. Yeah. Everybody has a hand in helping Brendan upstairs, yeah. our assistant coaches. I said, it takes a village to raise a child. Oh, that yeah. Was, you know what? That was a firestorm. That. that was I, a firestorm. I, I, I was giving everybody credit. It's a I saying. It's a saying. Uh, it, his mother, like, his, he, his like, mother yeah, called I me. I remember that. I got called up to the office. I remember that. I had to explain it to Mr. Poland because yeah. Ernie was all upset. And I was like, I'm giving everybody a credit. Like, everybody credit. Like, yeah. it, takes, it takes a village to raise a child. I didn't call him a child. I got you. And, and maybe I, I shouldn't have used that. it. But, I, I so, remember that. I remember yeah, yeah. So Ernie suggested I come down and talk to Brendan in the offseason before training camp. So okay. I came down with Randy Ayers. Okay. Randy and I came to Charlotte, and we met with Brendan. Mm -hmm. I never promised him a start lineup. I said, mm -hmm. you know, you're this and that. I, we're on the same page. I want us to start a good – I want us to have a good start of the season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you play hard, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I never, I never, ever promised anybody ever in my coaching career are starting, you're going to start. Yeah. Ever. I, I mean, I, so, hear you. I don't know why yeah, I yeah. circulated around. And so, that's just what I was like, because that's not what he told me at all. I'm like, I ain't get right. no promise. He just right. said you come I in even, look, work look, hard. And there was one time, there was impre we, our defense was kind of soft at one point. Uh, Ernie, Ernie always said we were always soft. But, okay. um, <laughs> but I said, so there was a practice. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to start Calvin Booth. And I'm going to start Michael Ruffin. I remember that. We went, and I'm not going to start Antoine. Yep. And it was somebody else, maybe Brendan. Yeah. Because they were too soft in practice, right? So we go to Atlanta, mm -hmm. and we're in a dogfight. Mm -hmm. And we, we win because Antoine hits a shot at regulation and had a great overtime. Okay. So, <laughs> so he was mad at me, but we won the game. That was uh, the whole object. Uh, but anyway, I never promised Brendan a starting lineup yeah. and being a starter. Right. And look, I see Brendan. I saw Brendan in this grocery store here, and it's uh, still awkward. It's still awkward it's talking to him. It's still awkward still? Awkward. I, I, see him, I see him at Lifetime. You know, he just, yeah, I'm not a, he's not a fan, you know, of me. So yeah, but it's so crazy because it was like, you know, because remember, you know, remember we were there two years before you got there. And yeah. so I always tell people, me and Brendan, we were like one of the best friends on the team. Like we were like one of the closest before. Like I remember, and this is back when, this is back when they called him, like when Oakley didn't like him and Byron Russell didn't, didn't like him when they was calling him delicious. And they, you know what I mean? And called him Brenda. That all started with that group. And okay. I, remember, I remember one time actually when MJ got mad at him during the game, during the practice, I yeah. guess he had a pick on him or something like that and clipped him or something like that. And MJ took the ball, right? And he threw it at him, like really a point blank range, threw the ball at him. And he was like, you blank, 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 you blank, you blank. Right, right. And so, and, and Brennan was just standing there. And I remember after the practice, I immediately called him like, are you okay, man? Like, that's messed up. Like, you know, that's how close we was. But then once we, once we, um, when you came, and then it was like, okay, whoever plays best is playing. And right. then it was like, you know, because I didn't play really a lot with Doug Collins. Doug Collins just wasn't, you know, right. I wasn't playing at all. But, right. but with you, it was like, okay, whoever plays best is playing so some games he would play better and he would play some games i would play better and i would play and it was and it was like at that point that seesaw that never it was like but see to me a time <laughs> to, to me it was first who played the hardest right 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 number two who played for his teammates yeah. that was my criteria we had different right. styles of playing like he, yeah, he, he had was, different styles he was a seven footer he was just kind of you know out there the like yo so me you know, I played with all heart. I mean, I'm 6'9". Right. I, you know, I'm not a seven footer. I'm 6'9". So right. it was all passion, all like aggressive, all everything like that. That's what and I that wanted. Was, that's what you liked, right? That's so what that's I liked. It, 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 it worked out, but it was it was interesting from you know from the but, but you know, start you know, there. I thought my my first year there, Christian mm -hmm. Leitner did the same thing to Brendan. Yeah, no, he no, did no. something. He back screen Christian. He gave him a bad pick or something. 
which he wouldn't no, do no, in a right, real game. So, so Christian Leitner took the ball. And threw it right at his head. Threw it right at his Point head. Right. And you remember, I jumped out. And I was like, got in between That's right. them and pushed them away and stuff like that. And it calmed the whole situation and everything. And I was That's like, right. you all right? And stuff. Yep. So like I was yep. saying earlier, we was like good friends, you know. But then, just, of course, everything changed after that. But I, yeah. you know, I, 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 we had a good unit. And I thought that you had a, and I'll go back to, you know, what I said in the beginning. You know, you had a lot of success with the Wizards. And you was able to do something, again, that we didn't do since Chris Webber and then we're playing when they were the Bullets. They, I don't even right. think they were the Wizards then. They were the Bullets. They were the Bullets. And, you know, we didn't get to the playoffs like that with MJ. We got to the playoffs for how many years consecutively? It was like four well, what happened? What, what it was, the Wizards hadn't made, or Bullets slash Wizards, hadn't uh, made the playoffs in 20 years. Yeah, 20 So years. the first year we made the playoffs, we go to the second round. Right. That was that was when we beat the so, Bulls, right? That was when we beat the Bulls. And that was so, a good Bulls team. That, that was a good Bulls team. team. They had a young Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry. They yeah. had a, they had a crew. Like that, and that was, was the first time the Wizards had gone to a second past the first round in 25 in years. 20, right, right, right. Because, so, because Chris Webber and them lost to the Bulls. That's right. right and and you know what? And when we played the Bulls, they were supposed to have been Scott Skiles was the head coach, the best defensive team in the league. Right. And then right, but right. as the series went along. We were the best defensive team in that series. Yeah, not even people, people don't know that we were yeah. the best. Out, out their percentage, out, we had the best field goal percentage against. Right, everything was better than there. Right, and nobody picked that up. Nobody that, but that's nobody. what I mean. Nobody gave you the credit see, for see, that. But see, that's where the GM should have come in and and raved about not just me, but the coaching staff and the it's team. Yeah. But he raved about Gilbert. Yeah, see, oh, it was all, it was all and, and remember, I don't know if you remember Gilbert. Got cut from the USA team, the Olympic team. Oh, yeah, that's and right. so he said, I'm scoring 50 against everybody associated with the USA. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He did say that. So he gives so he goes 62 in LA. Yeah. He goes 50 something in Phoenix. Yeah. Right. Matt Tan Tantoni. Right. And then um somebody comes to the woods, come home to us, and they beat us. And and he only scored nine points. And um I can't remember what the kid's name from DC. He played for us. Oh, what was his name? He was a guard. He was a big. He was a good defensive guard. But anyway, Chief Bogans? No, not Bogans. Um, I can't remember. Okay, okay. His name, but he, but Gilbert only scored nine points. Right. So in the in the uh, media after the game, one of the media guy says, "Well, you know, Gilbert said he was going to score fifty, <laughs> but he only scored nine, and he said that's because the coach emphasized defense too much." No, Gilbert said I emphasized all week, all week. Coach was emphasizing defense too much. So I said, next question. Right, right, right. So after three or four more questions, it comes back. Somebody asked, well, what, what do you think about Gilbert saying that? And I said, well, that's stupid. I said, don't even oh, come on, man. Yeah, that's right. That's and they said so, that you called him stupid. Yeah, they said. That. But, but then, but then they run to Ernie, though. right? They run to Ernie because I said, look, we, we as a franchise right want to emphasize defense which yeah. ernie always says you got to emphasize defense emphasize defense yeah so we did all week right and so when they go to ernie this is well gilbert coach called gilbert stupid or something like that yeah. and that's what they um, said that's the, what they said and, and gilbert gilbert stupid. right so but and coach and gilbert said well the coaches emphasize defense too much that was when ernie should have said we are emphasizing defense right and gilbert shouldn't have said that. whatever right this is what ernie says well Gilbert scores a lot of points for us and will continue to score a lot of points for us. I remember that too. Hello, I remember dude, that. I that remember was your time to, to step up and support your coach, yeah. support what you've been saying to the coach yeah. and to like tell the star player, look, this is, this is the way we want to do things. But yeah. he threw me under the bus yeah. and, and said, Gilbert's going to score a lot of points for us, continue to score a lot of points for us. So, Wow. I, you, know, so I I remember, you know, I even remember when we had the success and that this is the first year. Remember, Gilbert got hurt, and Steve Blake was the point guard. Yep, you remember, and Steve yep, Blake was playing very well. Steve like, Blake and Juan Dixon together. And Juan Dixon, yep, they were playing really well. And Ernie did not want to give Steve Blake any kind of props or recognition or anything okay. like that for doing well. And I remember they asked him one time, and he said. Well, we're just waiting for Gilbert to get back. I, know. <laughs> I was like, dang, Ernie! I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Even say Steve is playing well. Like he, so. Again, that's agent stuff too, because he was in 
not in bed. He was with the agent. Aaron uh, liked Gilbert's agent. Who was that? Dan Dan Fagan? It was Fagan. Fagan, yeah. Fagan. Interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. GMs, GMs and agents are, you know, they have a line of communication themselves that is separate from everybody else. I yeah. So, so all right. So so as as a as a trainer, and this will be the last question I ask you. Sure. You know, I you know, I work out with a lot of you know younger cats now. I told you I work yep. out with my son, and I, yep. I want my I I tell my guys um, that I want them to pick a player and try to emulate that player, like to study him, to be able to, you know, his, my son's players that he really likes is KD and Giannis. Those are like his two guys. You know, but I, I, I want him to look at Anthony Davis too because, of course, I want him to go inside a little bit more too. But, you know, the, those are the players. So all, each player, you know, that's what they work on. What are the things that you work on the most with your, with your players? That you I do play? exactly what you said. Okay. Well, I watch. I watch. I watch a lot of games. Right. Because, because, I don't. You don't. You don't know when I'm coaching. When I'm a coach mm-hmm. of a team, I coach the team. I coach plays. You know, not coach. Mm-hmm. I I see how the team's supposed to work together. Right. But now that I have individuals, which I've never done before, I've never right. worked out individuals. It's always been you know a team. This is what right. we. You pass, cut. You're gonna do this, and we're gonna share the ball. And now I got individuals. So I do exactly what you said. I'll watch games a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'll see Jason Tatum is a guy I watch a lot. I mm-hmm. love his game. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I see their dribble moves. Um, and I see how they get their shots off efficiently. Not, I wouldn't watch James Harden. You know, there are times James Harden makes the in and out, crossover, spin. Right. So those are the things I write down. When I watch a game, I said, okay, that was an in and out. That right. was a crossover or two crossovers and a spin and a step back. Right. You know, I'll do that to my high level kid guys, okay. Okay. I, you know, for my, for my middle school kids uh-huh. and my younger kids, I don't do that. They just have to learn the basic stuff. But I have an all American that I, a high school American okay. that I, I work out. His name is Khalil Brantley. Okay. Um, goes to boys and girls high school in New York city, but he's here now. Okay. Um, and, and I'll teach him. I'll see what I saw Jason Tatum do or Kimball Walker, or I see good moves, no matter who it is. And I'll write it down and I'll watch highlights or I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch highlights of moves. And I'll say, okay, I like that. That was efficient enough. That looked right. effective enough. And I can teach that. So that's something that you could do. You could, but I love Jason Tatum. I love his pivot game. I understand mm-hmm. he learned that from Kobe. Mm-hmm. I love his pivot game. He catches, he pivots, step back, you know, I, like I don't teach the Euro step and I'm just deep. I'm just starting to teach the step back or sidestep because yeah. that's the, that's where it's evolving. That's what yeah. kids do now anyway. Yeah. And and if you can separate yourself from the defender anyway, whether it's a fade away or a step back, mm-hmm. then that's something you can see if they can do, but some kids can't do it. Some kids can. So yeah. that's how, that's what I look at a ton. I look at good players and see what good players do, how they separate themselves, how they get off a good shot not mm-hmm. a hard shot. Right. And I, and I look at um, screening action, um, but that's only because if, like, I use cones, like, okay, that's your screen. Come off the screen. Come get a handoff. Now come back and repick. And I'll do that sort of stuff. Okay. But it's, I love it because I've never done it. All my coaching years, I've never done individual. So this right. is terrific for me. I love it. It's new stuff. So do you use a lot of props? Like sometimes with some trainers, you no, see a lot of props. I don't use chairs. All, stuff, all that I, other stuff. No, okay. I just use, no, I don't use tennis balls. <laughs> right. I all that use, other stuff. I don't use two balls. No. Yeah, it's one yeah. ball. It's this V cut, get open, get a dribble handoff, come back and use another pick. Right. You know, you can snake it, pull up, right. you can floater. Yeah. You know, I, I use just basic stuff, but yeah. I don't use I don't use a tennis ball and a, and a, and a ball. I don't there use a chair. <laughs> I don't use, you know, you do that in the gym with the trainer. Right. Who's going to lift you, you know. Right, right, right. But it's just one ball That's and it. the hoop and maybe a cone here and a cone there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's good. I mean, that's that's. That's what now let me ask you, would you want to return to coaching? In the NBA? Oh, yeah, I would love to. Oh, OK. Yeah. Oh, that's right. only, only not as a head coach. Never, you never, you wouldn't want to be a head coach anymore. No, I wouldn't want to be. Now, why is that? Um, because I think my worth is, uh, like when I was here with Steve Clifford at, okay. with Charlotte, Steve okay. says, look, I want you to coach me. And I like that idea. That's where I am in my life now. You okay. know, I, okay. I want to not coach to coach, but that's sort of a loose term. 
Mm-hmm. I want to be there as a senior advisor mm-hmm. to a head coach, you know. Gotcha. Uh, and yet, talk to players on the side. You know, I don't want to be in – I don't care. I, I wouldn't mind being involved with daily – day-to-day you know stuff and working guys out mm-hmm. which i like now mm-hmm. but um i want to be next to the head coach and help the head coach okay that, that would right. be my role that would be my best role right now and right. i've got a, i've got a few calls about that you have okay well I, yeah. I mean you you have a great basketball mind so honestly i don't see how you wouldn't be returning to the nba even if you know, the opportunity may come down the road for a head coaching position. Oh. We're going to see if that happens. Oh. But, you know, but definitely, you know, I, I wish you nothing but success. And it was good Thank you, man. Up with you. Nice catching up with you, man. You're the best. I appreciate you. I, I, yeah. I said, I enjoyed, enjoyed the time. I, I tell my guys all the time about, you know, our, our times with the Wizards and, and your coaching style and the way that you wanted to hold everybody accountable and you allowed it just – because, you know, you have times where guys – you know, I'll have two guys that are very good at the same position. Yeah. And one could start and the other could start. Yeah. I always go back to, well, what, what Coach Jordan did with me. And he said, whoever's playing the best playing is the best. one who is we're going best. to play. And so right. some days it may be you. Some days it may be you. But that's how somebody, you don't allow someone to get comfortable. So when they right. get comfortable, then they start to coast. Right. And that's what certain players, you know, wanted to do to be able to coast and know that they still have their starting spot regardless. But you know what, Atan? You were good facing the basket. You were good at the elbow. Hmm. You were good at the top of the key. You weren't just a poster player that people would probably want to just pigeonhole you into. Right. You know, you were right. face up. You were a rollback guy. Right. You were jab step, mm-hmm. you know, dribble spin guy, get to the basket. Yeah. So you were, you, you were multi-talented, man. And, um, so you were more versatile than anybody we had at that center spot, you know. Right, um, right. So, I mean, if I had you and Michael Ruffin, I would have been happy. <laughs> Michael Ruffin's a great guy. He goes, <laughs> all. You know what I mean? I, I know. know. I know. All right. Well, I appreciate you. Hope all okay, the family man. say hi to all the family for me and everything like that. And uh, you just, just stay in touch, man. Let's not lose touch like we did, man. Well, I we know. haven't lost touch, but. Yeah, no, you know. definitely. We'll stay yeah, in yeah. touch now. But, okay, all buddy. Right. All right. Appreciate okay. it. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, Vinny Del Negro, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AtonThomas36. Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.